Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we're talking about the digital revolution taking place all around us, with particular emphasis on the changes that the pandemic has uh, woven into that whole interesting tapestry over the last five or six months. Our guest today is one of our monthly digital all-stars, Bonnie Tinder, who's the founder and CEO of Raven Intel, which does some remarkable research helping to understand what the customers of all this great technology, what they're experiencing, how they feel about it, and the partnerships that they deploy to try to get as much business value out of these projects as possible. Bonnie, welcome back. Always a pleasure to see you. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, um, Bonnie. By the way, love your love your new uh, office here. At least uh, for for this episode, it looks good. Well, after listening to Wayne's interview earlier this week, I I had to up my game, and uh, <laughs> so recommend that uh, that podcast for anybody who hasn't listened to them. I I took away some great tips, including uh, my my new office here for recording. No, it looks looks wonderful, wonderful. So, Bonnie. As we get started here, I want to ask, so uh, you're advising, uh, let's say you're advising me, I come in and I say, Bonnie, you know, I've got this big uh, digital transformation product. I've talked to people from all over the company about it. I've got everybody's buying. I think I really understand what's going on here. But my CFO is a real hard ass. And I think, you know, he or she is going to really put me through the ringer on this one. Do you have any tips for how I might be able to present this in a way that is seen uh, in a positive light by the CFO? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think, you know, spending air, money in the, the era of COVID-19 is not a popular topic, no matter how good the project that you're selling is and how important to uh, the organization it is. Um, you know, every expenditure in this, this era that we're in is being, is being scrutinized. And I think the way that you sell your CFO on the project can make or break uh, the viability of, of you doing it in, in the short term. And um, you know, I, I think it's really important um, to put yourself in the CFO's shoes and to really understand what they care about first uh, before, you, before you start selling anything. Bonnie, you know, um what you were just describing there, right? It's that spending money is not uh, is not an easy thing to do these days. And we all, mm -hmm. I think, have experienced or certainly seen a lot of things ourselves about why that is the case. So um, as you build into this, it'll be interesting to hear you talk about maybe here are some of the approaches that will sort of immediately get you on the, the road to nowhere versus mm -hmm. though better ways to sort of pitch these things that you finding from the, the extensive work that you do with enterprise customers, what yeah. is getting people not only to get the okay from the CFO, but in some cases, sort of the, the passionate support of the CFO. Yeah. And, and you want that passionate support. You want that executive sponsorship um, because it's that sort of uh, leadership from the top that really helps create some good momentum for these projects as well. So not only do you want to get the approval for the project, you really want to get the endorsement as well. And as you said, um, you know, there's there's some really good ways to to do that, and there's some ways that that are not going to work effectively. Um, you know, I think the the number one thing that you should do before you have that conversation with with the CFO is really 
walk a mile in their shoes. So put yourself in their position. And you know, as you know, CFO is the um, you know money steward of the company. They are the one responsible um, to protect and grow the assets of the company and ensure compliance. But they take a really um, you know strong seat at the strategic planning table, and they can help influence the direction of your project and the funding for your project, certainly. So they can use their purse strings um, and, and selectively drive initiatives. Um, but they're not going to do that unless there's a, a very clear cut sort of outcome um, from the project. So once you can sort of like understand, okay, so the person that I need to really win the heart and mind of is you know, is, is cares about the numbers. Um, really, to frame the your your business case around that, I think is is important. And I think there's there's four main areas that make a good business case. Um, you know, number one, it's starting with the business problem that you're you're going to solve. Number two, it's clearly defining the project plan and the scope. So how does it solve the problem you defined in, in number one? Uh, number three is, is to make the, the project bigger than you. So the wider that you can get in the organization and the more uh, functions you can impact, uh, the greater you know, receptivity you're going to have. And then finally, um, and this is an obvious one, but you want to bring the right technology to the table and the right partner um, as well. I mean, that's the obvious one in a digital transformation. Um, I mean, they're very system oriented, um, but all of the great technology, all the great partnership in the world is not going to uh, mean anything if you haven't really um, uh, cared for and, and really well-defined points one through three, the, the former uh, areas. Um, so I think it really comes down to those four main things to build that strong business case. Yeah, funny. I love those. I, I think each of those four is so good. And I know in a moment, you're going to have a chance to go into a little more detail on each of those. The one that, uh, you know, as I mentioned that, that I really jumped out at me was the one that's, it's more than about you. So if I'm sitting in the CFO's position, or as you have recommended, anybody making a proposal like this, put yourself in the shoes of the CFO. If somebody comes in and says, hey, this is really urgent, this is top priority for the company, yet it only affects 10 or 15% of the company. I mean, you are giving the CFO on a, on a golden platter a reason to say no, uh, right? Because this isn't a time for incremental investments and uh, time consuming projects that are only going to have a limited impact on the company. So mm -hmm. I think uh, I, I, I want to, I'm eager to hear your points for each of those four heirs, but in particular that one. And also, Bonnie, I love the idea. Uh, one of the things you've done with some research about this, and in addition to your own thinking that you have actually read an article from a CFO of a pretty big and, you know, fast growing company about how she evaluates proposals that are being made to her. So turn it over to you and, uh, you know, let us know what you think about the approach that that CFO takes and also how that, you know, affects the thinking of each of those four key points you've brought up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, th this last week I, I read an article um, from the CFO of, um, of ServiceNow, actually, about how she evaluates 
um, projects that are brought to her desk in terms of um, their viability. And so, so much of what she was saying in terms of, you know, how she greenlights projects, I think, were so relevant to, um, you know, really, you know, every digital transformation sort of um, internal uh, sale, if you will. So um, I think, you know, ServiceNow definitely is, is uh, you know, is on the minds of a lot of CFOs right now. A lot of them are evaluating that that product internally. Um, but I thought it was really interesting the way that, that she herself looks at, at projects that come across her desk. So um, definitely she's walking a mile uh, in the, her customer shoes as well. Um, so definitely recommend uh, that article. Um, you know, and I think a lot of, of what I just mentioned um, is echoed by the way that, that she looks at, at projects. Um, but, you know, the, the point that you sort of um, recognized about, you know, it's more than uh, about you. Um, I think the broader that you can help um, solve a problem and the more um, impacts across the business that you can show I think that's going to help strengthen your business case. Um, you know, most of the time, these these digital transformation projects are um, you know cross organizational and they integrate many pieces together. So the more that you can show those integration points um, and pre-built integration points, always a good thing. Um, you know, because those integrations are a sticky wicket, but the, the more integration that you can show throughout the business, not only with the technology, but functionally as well, um, I think that that really um, helps tie the business case together for sure. And it shows um, really a focus on a, a, a larger problem than just your particular function. Well, I think that I think is such a critical point. Uh, you're, what you're saying there about the integrations. Yes, there's got to be some mention of integrating the applications or the data sets, but the bigger thing is this will not only integrate the processes, it might give us the foundation on which to build new and better and you know, more valuable processes. That's right. So you also then were talking about, uh, you know, the, the, in some ways, the project blueprint, the, the path to business value. What are some of the things that should be focused on in there? Mm -hmm. So, you know, as much as you want to, um, you know, clearly define what the, the business problem is up front, you want to be able to articulate the path to solving the problem. Um, you know, sometimes that's known as the project blueprint, but it, the, you know, the, the things that your CFO are going to care about are, number one, how much time is this going to take and at what cost, um, how many people are involved on the project and how much time is going to need to be dedicated to the project versus, you know, um, you know in addition to their full-time job. Um, you know, what we look at at Raven Intel um, is, you know, the project uh, scope itself. So, um, you know, who else is involved? So a lot of times you're going to have third parties, consulting groups come in and be working alongside the team as well. So what is the effort required externally um, to get to that end state um, as well? And the more specific that you can be about that blueprint, the better. Um, so, you know, how quickly um, not only is the project going to come to completion, so what's your go live date and things like that, but what's the 
speed to value because um, you know we know in implementations of, of software um, is that that's really just the, the tip of the iceberg. That's the beginning. How quickly is it going to, you know, once you go live with that software, actually start delivering on the value that um, that was anticipated? And sometimes, you know, that's that's early in the process. But in many cases, like particularly in HR, you might have to go through a full year cycle um, with an HR to see the true value of the system. And it's not just HR, it's any one of these, these large enterprise systems. So it's, it's um, you really want to spell out what that time frame is. Um, so not only what the project time frame is, but what the time to value is, because that goes into the return on investment as well. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, we're just going to take a second here for a word from our sponsor, BMC. In a world that's changing faster than ever before, the biggest challenge for businesses is creating fabulous customer experiences. That objective requires actionable insights and real-time agility from one end of your business to the other. At BMC, they call this the autonomous digital enterprise, and they've put together a set of solutions to help you anticipate what's coming adjust accordingly, and acknowledge those changes from end to end. To start your journey to the autonomous digital enterprise, visit bmc.com slash ADE. Um, sort of echoing some of those notions, right, of, of end to end there, Bonnie, you've, you've laid out a number of these uh, essential points that must be made to the CFO. And I guess, you know, long, long gone are the days, thank goodness, of people coming in and saying, well, here's a project, it's going to take somewhere between two and three years. I'm not exactly sure because there's XYZ variables and it's going to cost somewhere between this amount and that amount. We're not sure. But in 18 months, we'll come back to you and give you a progress report, right? My guess is uh, not too many CFOs are going to give that with the green light these days. If, if they do get the green light, they have way too much money to work with. Um. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think the more tangible, um, you know, predictable costs that you can you can bring to the table, the the stronger your business case is going to be. And you know, these these large digital transformations, um, you know, I think despite everybody's best efforts to define them upfront, there's always going to be changes. Um, you know, best laid plans, there's always going to be some uh, some some bumps in the path, and you know not always are going to, going to go exactly as expected. On the other hand, um, I think if you have the right framework in place, you're going to avoid those unexpected twists and turns along the way, um, you know, to the best of, of your ability. And, you know, I think um, the, the due diligence that you do um, up front in the pre-plan is actually going to help your ability to accelerate a time frame later on. And then, you know, working with a good partner, um, you know, externally in a lot of cases is going to help you land on the right questions to answer, to make sure that you're, you know, sort of defining that project scope in a way that's not going to have a lot of, uh, you know, again, unexpected events that happen. Um, so I, I would say that, you know, those are the things um, that you really need to be looking at is, is that that pre pre-project plan process. I mean, the, the other thing that I, I can't stress enough is, is 
and you know, and a CFO is looking at this as, as any business leader, um, is who is going to lead the project internally? How strong are they? And how committed are they to sticking with that project for the long term? And um, you know, regardless of the technology that you're using and the partner and all of the, the great things that you're going to um, you know, define upfront in term, terms of process and blueprints and all that great stuff, it's going to rely on people. At the end of the day, these projects are carried out by people, uh, you know, project leader, project team, and then typically an external project team as well. If you have a weak leader or you have a weak, uh, you know, team that's not dedicated or is, has lots of turnover throughout the process, um, you know, the, the results are usually going to be um, iffy. So, you know, in that, you know, in this section, which I would call articulate the path to value, really making sure that you have the right team in place. And by team, I'm talking about individual players who are committed for the duration of the project, even sometimes contractually to make sure that you don't have these, these people churn issues that really can, can take uh, and, and put a monkey wrench in the best laid plans. Yeah, and Bonnie, if I'm the CFO and uh, somebody comes in, presents a plan, asks who's gonna be the leader, I receive a name, from uh, from them about who the leader is going to be, and you know, with uh, you know some pretty modern software these days, the CFO in that conversation could type that person's name in, and understand you know where does that person sit relative to his or her peers in the organization. And if you see that this is a B or C player, why should if you, the project sponsor, are not in interested enough or committed enough to put a superstar on it, why the heck should the CFO then stick? the company's money out for this as well. So that, it, that seems like one of those things, if you don't have a superstar on it, why should any of the other stuff matter? Without a doubt. If the project is big enough and worth doing, it's worth putting your A player on it. Yeah. Bunny, I had a couple questions I wanted to ask you. Um, one is, you mentioned a moment ago, like in the articulating the path to business, about business value, the significance and the importance of, uh, it, you know, if it's appropriate for the business to have a great partner involved there. That's one of the things that Raven Intel does, right? And could you talk just a, a little bit about the sort of service you offer for that? Yeah, absolutely. So we look at uh, consulting firms. So those third party groups that have a specialty implementing um, uh, enterprise software, sometimes uh, they're referred to as SIs or systems integrators. But we look at them um, in the lens of, you know, from a customer's perspective. So um, our site um, has a whole bunch of peer reviews of those consulting firms by written by customers who have gone through projects um, with them. And what I would say is the best predictor of future success um, on a project with a consulting firm is to look at what's their previous record of customer success. And that's, that's what Raven Intel is about, is gives customers the tools to look in and see, you know, how well did they deliver projects for other customers. And we, so we look at some very um, empirical measurements on a project to say, was this a success or not? Um, you know, it's general things like overall satisfaction, but you know, was the project delivered on time? Was it delivered on budget? 
Did the team change? Was it scoped properly up front? And we have about 15 KPIs that we look at that you, uh, if you're looking at a consulting firm, can actually go in and read um, the experience of other customers as well. And um, what I would say is every digital transformation project is different. Um, and so, you know, I, there, there's, there's variability, you know, across the board. On the other hand, if you look at um, a consulting firm and you look at you know, multiple projects, we see patterns. Um, and, you know, and, and it really goes back to what's the, what's the overall sort of heartbeat of a consulting firm internally? How are they empowering their employees and training their consulting teams to deliver consistently, consistently on projects? And so we, we help customers see who's doing the best at, at that. Um, and help them make a wise decision independently about, about whether they should choose a consulting firm or not. Okay. Uh, Bonnie, that's a great resource to have out there, which Raven Intel offers, because I, I would suspect most companies don't have this sort of built-in knowledge of, you know, partners around the world for sophisticated projects, especially, as you say, because each one is different. Each one is going to have uh, shifting priorities uh, as, as it gets up to that uh, final approval date. Then, Bonnie, the other question I wanted to ask you was, um, what are you seeing as far as sort of the titles of the people who are making these presentations to the CFO? Is this uh, now, is this primarily a CIO role? Is it a CTO? Or is this out in the line of business or some mix of all of these? would say it's a some mix of all of these, um, you know, and it really depends on the project. So if it's a, you know, if it's a, it's a, a full scale, you know, ERP implementation, um, you're going to have your business unit leads. So, you know, if HCM is involved, you're going to have the CHRO, um, uh, you're going to have, you know, top level uh, IT uh, management as well. Um, and you know, and then and then functional areas in terms of you know finance is involved. You'll have um, you know the the finance uh, team, you know, typically CFO involved with those as well. And you know, to the point earlier about so many of these projects are interconnected internally. Um, I feel like the you know the really the uh, evaluation team and the the team that goes in to present the business case. Um, you know, sort of needs to be singing from the, the same hymnal as well. You, you typically are going to have a single point person for the, the project um, overall. Um, but, you know, it's, we see a mixture of all of these things depending on, on the scope of the project. Uh, and ultimately, it's, it's a single person who sort of takes the lead and, you know, hangs there, um, you know, is, is going to be responsible for the overall uh, success. Yeah. Um, so you're the expert on this and, you know, you, you deal with lots and lots of clients and partners on these things. I, I just had the impression as an outsider, if I'm the CFO sitting there and uh, people come in and it's from two or three functional areas where maybe one person's driving it, but the other people that are saying, I'm here to support so-and-so in her presentation because this is going to be so valuable to what I do. So not only listed within the proposal, but, you know, having those people there, you know, making the case and, you know, putting your reputation and your, your ethos on the line there for those sort of projects. So uh, 
fascinating dynamics there, Bonnie. And so we talked a little bit about it, but your third point, it's more than about you or it's about more than you. Um, mm -hmm. How is the best way to convey that to a CFO? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, as you look at the, the impacts of the project, so, you know, at what level is, uh, you know, a, a function or your end employee gonna to be touching this particular project? In a lot of cases, let's say it's a, an HCM rollout, um, you know, that, that's gonna to touch every employee within the company. Um, and so I would get that granular as to say it is going to impact X amount of employees in these functions, in these global um, entities, et cetera. So sometimes you're gonna do a project um, geographically. So, you know, making sure to define that sort of scope box that says, you know, it's going to be, you know, 10,000 employees in North America. Um, the project is going to be, um, you know, run out of this department with this team and this, you know, having this functional leader. So, you know, sort of that like uh, pyramid, right? So uh, who's going to lead the project all the way down to, um, you know, how is an end employee, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the employee, the frontline employee going to be impacted by this uh, particular project. Um, and, you know, I, I think what relates back to, um, you know, return on investment and things like that is being able to say, okay, you know, very tangibly, we are going to save, you know, X amount of employees, let's just for rough numbers say, one hour a week, and the average, um, you know, hourly wage is like $50 an hour. Um, so calculating that out. So what is the overall number of hours saved? How much does that translate to in, you know, dollar costs? And then, you know, potentially, where will that time be reallocated? Can that time be better than spent helping, you know, in front of uh, customers and things like that? And what does that chime shift actually equal. So being able to take that, the impacts across the business and really um, doing some, it doesn't have to be super specific, um, you know, calculations, but how can you turn those potential time savings into reallocation of effort that is ultimately going to lead to more sales, more customer engagement, those sort of top line growth areas that a CFO is even more concerned with than just saving money. Um, because these projects are gonna be expensive, but what is it that you gain by all of these new efficiencies that help to redefine your business value um, or you know, increase your customer engagement? All of those things that are way more important to the business than you know the dollars and cents because those are the top line growth areas um, that a CFO also cares very much about. So, and Bonnie, understanding that each different proposal, right, and each different company situation is unique, but um, how important is it to include some of those top line issues? Better engagement with customers, more revenue opportunities, you know, better profit opportunities as opposed to those things that are important, the efficiencies and, you know, saving some nickels here and there, which is all great. But mm -hmm. um, can you put a weight or a value on 
if you can do have those things, but then if you can also talk about growth opportunities, customer engagement, customer experience, customer loyalty, how important is that? Yeah, I would, I would flip it to say that is more important than the actual, you know, saving, you know, nickels and dimes along the way, because those are the, those are the, the, the true, um, strategic, um, you know, growth opportunities for a business. Um, and that's where the, the real opportunities are, um, you know, to, to have a digital transformation really make a difference. If all it is is just about, you know, creating greater efficiencies, that's nice, but that's not going to grow the business. Um, you know, I, I, I hear, um, you know, this, this phrase that we use a lot, you know, approach every project with the idea of helping to solve a, a problem or achieve a goal. So don't sell the product or the service um, or the project that you, that you want to, to you know, sell internally. But if you can look at the larger business issues, the larger business goals of the company, and then tie what you're, what you're you know, looking to implement as a product or as the service internally, um, if you can tie those back to the business goals, I think you're on so much stronger footing than, you know, we're going to, you know, cut three heads here and, um, you know, save some, some paperwork on, you know, on the other side of things. Um, again, the top line stuff is, is so much more, I think, enticing to a CFO than just saving money. Yeah, I, I would throw out, uh, uh, this is an extremely uh, ill-informed, uneducated uh, opinion here, but I, I would say it's five times more important, uh, you know, to talk about that. Again, mm -hmm. nobody's diminishing the significance of the other things, but in these times um, and the, the risk that the company takes when it says we'll commit this amount of people and time and energy to this project, which potentially takes it away from other things like that. It has to be something these days that gives you a forward-looking uh, new type of competitive, competitive advantage, new ways of doing things, new reasons for customers to believe I should put more of my money with this company. They're going in the places that I want and need them to go in. So it's almost, Bonnie, I think I'm sort of reading between the lines of what you're saying here. You Facts are important and you got to have your details right, but there's got to be in some ways an emotional appeal or an aspirational appeal to the CFO. We can make the company better and different and more valuable to customers by doing these things. Without a doubt. And like anything else, um, you know, I think the passion that you have for that project, especially if you're going to be the one actually leading the project, is going to be so evident to uh, a decision maker, your CFO, CEO. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the emotional connection that you have to the project and your ability to communicate that to the CFO is gonna go a long way as well, because that shows um, that you're willing to put your, uh, your reputation on the line for it, but that there's some enthusiasm that, that you have um, for, for this particular initiative. I, I, I don't think you can, um, I think you need that as well as all of the a strong business case um, is, is that passion. I, I think the other thing is, is there's a fear of loss as well. So if you can define, if we do not do this project, here is what the potential downside 
could be in terms of, you know, we lose market share, we lose customers, we um, have to, uh, you know, close different types of operations because we're not able to keep up. Um, you know, we're lagging behind our competitors who have a lot better, you know, digital footprint. Whatever those things are, you need to sort of paint that side of the picture too, because there's a fear of loss that should tie into the equation as well. Um, and if you can, if you can bring that up in some of the, um, you know, the, the uncertainty that will occur if you don't do the project, I think that's important to, to um, illustrate as well. Yeah, Bonnie, I think that's a great point, especially in light of today's times when um, success, it, it's not just success is fleeting, but opportunities are fleeting, right? I get the sense of, you know, as you described it there, if we don't do this, we're going to lose the ability to make customers believe we can do X, Y, and Z. And they're not going to sit back and wait till you somehow rediscover that magic to do it. They're going to go to somebody else. And I think these days, once a company or a source, a, a supplier, a vendor, falls off that number one or two list, uh, it's not impossible to get back to the top. It's incredibly hard. You, you sort of, by what you do and by what you don't do, you define yourself to the marketplace. And I think these days people are really, really sensitive to that. This is a can-do company. This is somebody, eh, they're old fashioned. They couldn't make it. They couldn't get over the hump. You know, they can't keep up with what I want and need. And that's, that's really, really hard to overcome these days. And, and it's not even, it's not even going where your competitors are. You don't even, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, you don't want parity. Yeah. You want to be, you want to be an innovator and a disruptor in your industry. And um, so it's, it's not even just, you know, getting at parity. You want to do something that's truly groundbreaking. And as you said, if you don't, you know, not only are, are you falling behind your competitors, but you're, you're going to become irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to be mucking around like kids in the parody playground. We want to be on the, you know, innovation moonshot here that, that, uh, that's going to capture and retain customers for years to come. Um, <clears throat> and Bonnie, then there's, there's something too to that similar sort of passion and a little bit of storytelling that's woven into it with your fourth point about the, the power and the capability of some of the advanced technologies that get brought into the company and the business value that those can help create. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, um, to, so, so you have a, the software that is, you know, your cloud software and, and things like that, but there's a level of, um, you know, innovation that is possible with artificial intelligence and you know RPA, machine learning, and things like that. That if you can, um, you know, tie in the use case for um, those advanced technologies into your business case, those are the type of things the CFO wants to be on the leading edge. Um, not just that they want something that has AI or machine learning in it, but how can you tie those advanced technologies into a specific use case for the business? Um, I think that that's, that's where that, you know, bringing the right technology to the table, um, that, that impact is going to be tenfold if you can marry all of the other things that we talked about, you know, creating that strong business case along with, and here's the right technology and the right partner that's going to help us get there. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, that's kind of the nail on the, um, 
the Kaufman at the, you know, in terms of lacking up the business case for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bonnie, you know, you, you, you've put together some great ideas for how this rolls forward. Let me ask you, it too, if, if off the top of your head, can you mention uh, a couple things that absolutely should not be, uh, you know, within a presentation like this? What, what is the CFO going to say? Time out. We're done here. You know, hit the road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would say um, focusing on the technology, um, you know, starting with the product and working backwards into, oh, and I think it's going to solve a problem that we have. <laughs> Um, so I would say that that's number one. Uh, number two, I would say uh, that that's going to be an automatic kick out is, um, you know, if it doesn't clearly uh, have a return on investment or, or yeah, more importantly, impact the, a larger business goal. And if it is seen as an expense, uh, you know, that's, that's also going to be a, you know, a, a quick kick out. Um, you know, I would say that that's, that's the second thing. And then number three is not having a project um, plan that seems viable. So if the project plan is too vague or the team um, that is assembled is, doesn't seem like they're up to the task, um, then uh, that also is going to create some, some real questions. Um, from a decision maker. So I would say, you know, and, and it related to that is, um, you know, you don't want to be a lone wolf in terms of selling the concept. You want all of your strong voices internally to sort of be echoing um, and, and singing the, the praises of this particular project as well. And, and you, if you're going to be the product leader, uh, project leader, you want other people helping to sell the concept. Um, you know, and, and sort of be your ambassadors at the same time. So don't be a lone wolf would be my, my uh, last tip there. <laughs> no, Bonnie, they're, they're great points. I think especially that last one. And, you know, you don't want to be in a position where he's saying to the CFO, I haven't really talked about this with those other, but I'm sure they'll buy in, you know, how could they not? How right. could they not? So it's, it's clarity of purpose. Well, um, Bonnie, these are all wonderful ideas on a very, very important vital subject these days. If Anybody wants to contact you or your company to find out more uh, about your, your feelings on this, how can somebody reach you? Um, I'm Bonnie at ravenintel.com. Uh, you can easily visit our site, ravenintel.com. I'd encourage you to do that if you're going to be embarking on a digital transformation project. We have free resources for you, and I'd be happy to help. Well, Bonnie, that's great. Thank you so much. Good to see you. And uh, always a pleasure to be with you here at Cloud Wars Live. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to all of you folks for being with us here. Uh, Bonnie Tinder of Raven Intel will be back next month for another discussion of Tinder on customers. Thanks to everybody for being here. Enjoy the last couple of weeks of summer. And we look forward to seeing you again soon here at Cloud Wars Live.